online. I just let me know when that's ready. Oh, who's gonna let me know? Hello, Sheena. We're just waiting for that part. Um, so I think I have a big responsibility today because I'm gonna continue on Pastor Roth's series. So it's not my own. <laughs> okay, welcome. Okay, we have, we have um, sermon notes. So if anybody would like to take um, notes together with the kids, you know, we have the sermon notes, just lift up your hand. Feli is going across and she will um, hand them over to you. Um, so welcome to our Sunday um, sermon today. Uh, so like I said, today I have a big responsibility because I'm going to follow on Pastor Rod's messages. And um, today he was going to do uh, the sermon of I am the son of God. So we're going to read three passages in the scripture in the book of the old in the book of John. Um, so let's let's start with that. So we we'll read first from John chapter eight, verse 48 to 59. Okay. Now it says, the Jews answer him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would, have, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, John chapter 10, verse 22 to 42. And at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in the suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe me because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And I 
and the father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it is not for good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, it is not written in your law, I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you, do you say of him of whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the words of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptized at first. And there he remained. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. And lastly, chapter 12 of John, verses 12 to 19. This is the triumphant entry. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming sitting on a donkey's, a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard that he had done these signs. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the war has gone after him. Amen. Let us pray and just ask God to speak to us through his precious word. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we are here together once again, Lord. Father, I pray that the scriptures will be opened up to our spirits, will be opened up to our eyes, will be opened up to our hearts, Lord. May your word that is precious, that can cleanse us, that can transform us, really make a, a change, a transformation in our lives today. Lord, today as we celebrate Palm Sunday, um, we want to remember, Lord, that Jesus came into this world to give us life and to give us life in abundance. Because of his death on the cross, we are your children, Father. And so today, Father, we pray that you will speak into us, that we can do those works that you've prepared for us, that we can walk in the destiny that you've called each one of us, Lord. I thank you, Father, because today you will do something new in our hearts and in our lives, Lord. Help us to have that understanding that Jesus is God. How wonderful it is to know that he came and dwelled and became like a, a human being like us 
who understands our pain, who understands our frustration, but because of him we can overcome sin and we can overcome this world. So Father, thank you for that. Father, I pray that you will speak into our hearts today. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father. Amen and amen. Amen. So, okay. So today is Palm Sunday. And as I was, um, you know, researching and looking, uh, I, I found out that, you know, Palm Sunday, when, when the, um, the Jews uh, were welcoming Jesus into, into Jerusalem, in their mind, they were um, thinking, you know, this is going to be the, the, the greatest rebellion we've ever seen against the Romans. This is going to be it. Now, Jesus is going to, if he just resurrected Lazarus, we've not heard of anyone ever done that. If he just resurrected Lazarus, then this is the man who's going to help us overcome these Romans. And the funny thing is that um, the, when Jesus comes on, on this donkey, he's actually... The donkey did not represent coming into a, 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 a time of, of war. If, if someone was coming into a time of war, they would have come on a horse. A donkey actually represented, it was a symbol of peace. So when Jesus comes in riding this donkey, he was saying, in other words, he's the prince of peace. He's coming with a different mentality to what they were expecting. And I think sometimes Jesus does that for us, or God does this for us. We have an expectation of the way he's going to do things, and we say, you know, this is how you're going to do it, Lord. And he, he does it his way, and his way is always the right way. So we go, I'm going to kind of go the same way that Pastor has been doing the messages, number one. So what Jesus said about himself. So what, what did Jesus say about himself? He said, I am the son of God. He plainly said, I am the son of God. And he said it. We see the different texts, and the, and the two times that he said it, the, the Jews got really upset and really angry at him, to the point that they took stones to stone him. They, they were going to kill him. There was no going back. But something that, as I was doing this message, that really got me interested is that it says, you know, in, in, when they wanted to kill him in uh, chapter 8 of John, we, we're looking at John, in chapter 8, in verse 59, um, it says, where is it? Sorry. So they pick up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. It was not his time. Jesus knew that it was not his time, that it was not, his time had not come. So it didn't matter who wanted to kill him. It didn't matter how things, you know, uh, looked for him. He knew it wasn't his time. And I think there's something that we can learn about Jesus in that, to know the times and the seasons. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how you feel about your, you know, when death might come to your, when, when your time might come, when it might be time for you to die. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, but I do know one thing. I, I do know that God hasn't finished with what he wants to do in my life. So I don't, I don't live in fear of dying, but I, I also, I don't, I don't, want to live kind of uh, thinking I'm never going to die because that is definitely not not true <laughs> you know one day I will you know this body will have to perish um, but I don't I, I'm not afraid of death in that sense and so Jesus in, in I think he, Jesus is the only person that did come to earth uh, to know that he came to die like 
that was kind of one of the, the, the goals in his life, if you will, because he knew that it was part his, and it wasn't that he was happy about it, because, you know, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's suffering, he's in, in, in a struggling with the idea that what's going to happen to him, because he knew what was going to happen. So it's not as if, you know, he was looking forward to that, but he knew he had a destiny. So um, here, Jesus is not bothered by them picking up stones and trying to kill him. Now, it's something interesting because, you know, Jesus is, is God, but he says that he hid himself and went out of the temple. And, and to me, that's a very human feeling that I, I, can, I can say, Jesus, you know what it feels to be afraid of something because you, you, or, or at least you know what it is to be a wise person and not to, to make more trouble than you're already in, you know? Jesus already made trouble by saying that he is the son of God, that he is, you know, before Abraham was, I am. He was saying, and the I am that Jesus was claiming here wasn't saying I am, was the word that the Jews used for God himself. So Jesus was saying, I am God. So the, the Jews were already upset and very angry with him. And so Jesus didn't go up throwing more fire to the, no, no more, throwing more wood or maybe more petrol to the fire that was already there. He says that he hid himself. So he's a wise person to know when is the time that you need to confront something and when is the time to just let it go and just, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a major thing. He knew it wasn't his time. But when we, when we read in chapter, um, in, in chapter 12, when we see that, um, you know, after the, the um, triumphant entry in Jerusalem, we didn't read that part, but um, afterwards in verse uh, 23, in chapter 12, verse 23, it says that uh, there were some Jews, so after, you know, after the, the triumphant entry in, in Jerusalem, it says in verse 20, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and, Andrew and Philip went up and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, I find this interesting because I think Jesus knew when his time had not yet come and when his time had come. And I think that was the sign. He knew that at some point in his ministry, when the Greeks would come to look for him, he knew that that was the hour. That was the time. Because this wasn't the first time that Jesus had gone up to the feast. There were many years. He, he was a, a, a Jew, so every year he would go to the feast. And he knew that when the Greeks would come to look for him, that was the hour. And it's an interesting part because this is what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, in the, in the Father will honor him. It was, I think this is very interesting when Jesus knows that the hour that the Son of Man should be glorified has come. He knew when his time came. Jesus 
um, you know, when, when Jesus says that he is the son of God because before Abraham was, I am, the, the Jews get very upset and angry with him because he's saying, you know, he says to them, so why are you going to stone me? For which good work that I've done are you going to stone me? And they said, no, it's not because of your good works, it's because you are a, you've just said a blasphemy and you just compare or you just said that you are God and that's the worst thing you can say. And then Jesus, and this is, I find it this interesting because Jesus argues this charge of blasphemy with the scripture itself. And in, in interesting, the, the scripture that they um, talk here is in Psalm 82. And this word God is because of the office that they, the, this was the judges were called gods because of the office that they were, um, that they did. And also the same uh, word is used in Exodus 21.6 and in Exodus 20, 22, 8 and 9. God called earthly, earthly judges gods. So he, Jesus is arguing something, kind of also making them think a little bit about him. And, and, God's, and, uh, sorry, and Jesus says, in light of the testimony of me and my work, is that why you're judging me? Because I'm the, I call myself the son of God. In, verse, in chapter 10, verse 39, when they want to stone him and they want, they want to kill him, Jesus didn't panic. He didn't run. He stopped them with the power of, of the word, talking, talking. And, you know, he just showed their self-control. He just showed that, you know, that he really is the son of God. The son of God was able to... Um, to, to um, uh, what's the word, to stand against this great opposition. I mean, I think we've all been in situations where we feel like earth open up and just eat me alive, please, <laughs> because I don't want to be here. <laughs> but Jesus, I, I, I imagine there were many times where Jesus felt confronted with a lot of things. I, I imagine the times where um, there were you know, situations where, where Jesus was dealing with demons and the demons talk back to Jesus. We know you are the son of God. We know who you are. And Jesus had to keep them quiet. We see, we see Jesus, uh, we see Jesus uh, uh, talking with that knowledge of, and with that authority. And I think that's the one thing that we can see these religious leaders kind of feel. The way that Jesus talked, it was with authority. And, and I think authority doesn't have to, doesn't mean shouting or screaming. Authority is just being sure of yourself. And I think when we, when we meet someone who has authority, who's sure of themselves, you can trust them even when, when you maybe don't believe exactly everything they say, but you see the assurance that they have, and you see that God backs them up, and you think, okay, yes, you know, I, I, I trust you. Second thing that we see, what did Jesus do to show that he could make such a claim? Well, first of all, as we've been seeing over the past few weeks, you know, Jesus shows these signs. Uh, he he um, heals, and in this, in chapter eight, especially, uh, sorry, in, in, in John, especially we see the resurrection of Lazarus. That was a big deal because, you know, we, we don't know of any other person who's ever uh, risen or, or, or called someone from the dead. And this wasn't someone who just passed away. It wasn't like, oh, he just died and Jesus turns up 10 minutes afterwards and all of a sudden he's alive. He's, the resurrection of Lazarus happened up on the fourth day. So 
you know, the, the sister says, Jesus, there's no point of you coming and praying for him. We've seen you, you know, doing miracles. We've seen you healing people. But, you know, usually the people that you heal, they're alive. You know, you've never, I've never seen you, you know, praying for someone who's dead. And he's been there four days and he's already stinky. You know, it's already a stench. Don't, don't, open, don't open the stone. It's not going to be pleasant. And Jesus does this supernatural miracle that then eventually we read that the Greeks came because they heard and, they, and the Jews were believing in Jesus and, and the religious leaders were very upset because all of a sudden everyone, what they tried to stop was actually creating more popularity with Jesus. So this is the one thing that we see, this, the signs that Jesus did. Um, the other thing we see in, in uh, John chapter 8, Verse 51, we, said, we see that Jesus says, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. He promises, Jesus promises that whoever believes in him will never see death. This is another claim that only makes sense if we believe that Jesus is God. Only he could make such a claim to keep his word. The other thing we see is that Jesus claims in, in John chapter 8, 53, he says, Your he says to the Jews, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. This is another claim that Jesus is saying, yes, I am the son of God, because uh, Abraham saw my day and he, got, and he was glad on it. When reading a different commentaries, some of them say that perhaps when Abraham was taking his son Isaac, remember when he was taking him to be sacrificed, and Isaac says to his, uh, Isaac say, says to his dad, to Abraham, uh, Father, we have the wood, uh, we have uh, the, the everything, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? And what did Abraham say? He said, don't worry, God will provide. And when he was about to, so they said that when, when he saw, uh, when he was about to sacrifice his son um, Isaac, then he saw a, a lamb that was struggling or, or, or tangled in, in, in some bushes, and that's how he got it. So some of the, um, the commentaries say that that's perhaps, either at that time, he had a vision of the future of, of seeing Jesus, um, and that's why Jesus makes this claim. At the end of the day, we see that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. This is the, the phrase the, the one that got Jesus into trouble because that is him saying, or that is Jesus um, saying that he is the eternal God, the eternal God. Not, he not only existed at this present, but he was there before, and he will continue to be there after. The great I am. God, uh, the, other, the other thing we see is that during his ministry, the demons would address him as the son of God. We see the unclean spirits uh, calling him and, and kneeling down and crying out, you are the son of God. Jesus had to keep them quiet many times and, and just cast them out. Uh, and and another, another thing, another reason why we know or, or why Jesus made this claim is because he died on the cross to fulfill God's promises. And that's the most powerful one, the fact that we, because of the death of Jesus on the cross, we have our, this eternal salvation that he's given to us. So we, we see the claim that Jesus makes that he says he is God, 
we see how on, on how he can make such a claim but now what is it that jesus requires of us about this claim what is it that jesus requires of us regarding the claim that he was the son of god uh, he requires us to acknowledge him as the son of god in john chapter 10 verses 24 to 30 it says, so the Jews gather around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. They were really, they, they knew what he was going to say, but they were really just trying to, to, to stir more the fire. So tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witnesses about me, but you do not believe me because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. I, when I was reading this, this part of the scripture, something that really struck me was the, the claim that Jesus says that, you know, when we are his sheep, no one can snatch us from his hand. For me, that was a promise for us today. If you are a follower of Christ, if you, are, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, no matter what we're going through in life, no one will snatch you out of Jesus' hand. We are protected because of that. I thought that was an amazing promise for us today because, you know, we all go through different things and different circumstances in our life. And sometimes we do feel unprotected, maybe, you know, in the natural realm, maybe because we don't have family around us or maybe because sometimes London is just a, a lonely place. There is a, this um, spirit of loneliness sometimes. You know, you can be among a lot of people, but you still feel lonely. Jesus says, no one will snatch you out of my hand. Don't worry. I have you. I got you. You know, it's not no one will, will take you away. You are in his hand. No one will snatch you out of his hand. That's a, a, an amazing promise. Jesus tells these religious leaders, and, and, his, and God is telling us today, we have to acknowledge Jesus as, as the son of God. And Jesus, for many, many in, in, in the scripture, he's been telling them already many times. Um, he says, I am the one who came from heaven uh, in John chapter 3.13. I told you I am the unique son of God in, in John chapter 5 verse 19. I am the son of man as prophesied by Daniel. He says, I am the bread of life. We've been listening in these past Sundays. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am, and he says, I am, yet you do not believe. And I think for us, that's the one thing we need to maybe be confronted today because Jesus has said so many things, <laughs> so many things about ourselves. I have a, a little preacher who wants to learn. It's okay. <laughs> you know, Jesus has told us so many times, I am, and, and how many times has he spoken directly to you about what he wants to do in your life? 
He's already told you what he wants, what's your destiny, what's your calling, but you do not believe. Let us not be like these religious leaders who being with Jesus, who this, and, and this is something that we need to understand. These religious leaders weren't unholy people. These religious leaders weren't, weren't people who did not love God. They loved God. They loved God so much that they studied for years and years. Everything they did was so meticulous. Everything they did was perfect because they didn't want to upset God. So these weren't uh, unholy people. These weren't uh, unrighteous people. These were people who wanted to be righteous. These were people who wanted to do their best. These were people who wanted to do their very best. They prayed, they fasted, they tithed, they did everything as much as they could. Yet, when they had truth in front of their eyes, they did not believe. So it worries me because, you know, sometimes we can be doing, we can be like these religious leaders, you know, fasting and praying and, and doing everything like, you know, the Bible tells us to do and, and giving and doing everything. And yet, we are missing the point. And yet, we do not believe. And yet, we do not accept. So we must ask, and, and, to, and to do that, to do that, what do we need to do? We need to humble and surrender ourselves to Jesus. Because these religious leaders, the reason why they did not recognize the Messiah was because of their ego, was because of their um, apathy, was because they were blinded by everything, by all the words that they had already taken inside of them. And they were not humble to learn. Well, you know, what this man is saying sounds interesting. Let me listen. Let me be a little bit humble to maybe listen and see what he's saying, whether what he's saying sounds good. No, but they were the opposite. They really wanted to attack him. And they said, no, what this man is saying, we need to kill him. We need to find a way to destroy him because many people are believing in this guy and this is wrong. We, we, are, we are right. We know what's the truth. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So I think one of the things we need to do is we need to be humble. We need to surrender. We need to... Um, open our hearts. Another thing we need to do after the claims that Jesus did is we need to honor him as the son of God. To honor Jesus is to recognize him as the highest authority on heaven and on earth. To honor Jesus is to acknowledge and recognize him. And we honor Jesus with our testimony, definitely with our testimony. And the more I was looking at these, at, at, at these verses, the more I was because the word of God really is like a mirror. I don't know how many of you came to church today without looking at yourselves in a mirror, but I think most of us try to look ourselves in a mirror. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what happened one day. I didn't look at myself in the mirror. This was me maybe at 14, 15 going to school. So uh, back then there was fashion that you know, well, my fashion, not the fashion of everyone, my fashion to have a fringe and the fringe had to be like a little bit, you know, like, like round here. And to do that, I had to put a roller in. So this is early in the morning. I put my roller in, you know, had breakfast, put my roller in and left the house. I'm on the bus and everyone is looking at me. And I'm like, this is strange because people, you know, they never look at you. You're, you know, people, if anything, avoid you. But everybody's looking at me I'm thinking, you know, I'm like touching myself just in case. And then, and then I go like this. And I could feel it. And I just went like this. 
and hidden on my back. <laughs> so this is what happens when you don't, accept, you don't look yourself in the mirror. You might have things that shouldn't be there. But it's the same thing with you in your spirit. When you don't look yourself in the mirror, in this mirror, there may be things there that shouldn't be there. Like our pride, like anger issues, like just think, little things. You know, sometimes we, we, we deal with the big things. Maybe, you know, bad habits like alcohol, like, you know, smoking cigarettes, like maybe, you know, being last, like big issues, we deal with them because we know they're big. But, you know, maybe little things, like, you know, we call them white lies. Why? They're white. So white is good, lies, not good. You know, <laughs> little things. Like, I didn't really lie, I just didn't tell the truth. So they didn't really, you know, like kids can be like very tricky like this. You know, uh, you're not allowed to, to um, watch TV. Okay, but then I can use the phone, then I can use the computer, then, you know, they're very tricky like that. So, you know, with kids, you have to be specific. But, you know, really, the, the word of God for us, it's that mirror. You know, um, and, and that mirror is the reflection of, of what we are. And there's, it's, it's really hard. I think it is hard to honor Jesus with a testimony all the time. I, I got confronted because, you know, I don't think I, in my full potential, I am honoring Jesus with my testimony in my full potential. I think I can do better. I personally do think I can do better because there are some areas that I still need to surrender to him. There are still areas that I think I still need to change. And I think one thing that God or Jesus wants is not, he doesn't want us to be perfect because really none of us could make it to that perfection. But he wants us with our imperfection to recognize and acknowledge and to ask for forgiveness because I think that's the one thing he likes. It always amazes me that God says that David was a man after God's own heart. And we will look at David's testimony. He was an adulterer. He was a killer. He was a liar. You know, he did a lot of things that were wrong, but there were a lot of things that he did right. And when he acknowledged his mistake, he asked God to forgive him. He really repented. He really changed things when he acknowledged when he did things wrong. And I think that's the attitude that God wants for us, to acknowledge when we do wrong, to, to, to be humble and say, Lord, I messed it up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. And to have that heart to repent, to, to know that. Our testimony is, is, is being able to forgive and ask for forgiveness. It's very easy, I think, well, actually, maybe neither one of them is easy. Because really, when you have to forgive someone, it's not easy. And I don't think it's easy, any easier to ask someone to forgive you either. Because to go to someone and say, look, forgive me for this and that, it's to be humble. Sometimes it's to put your pride aside. And I think there's no better place than sometimes in marriage to put that into practice. And it's not easy. It's not easy. And it's not easy in general. It's not easy to go up to someone and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm coming to you to ask you to forgive me because, you know, what I did. And, and it's always good to acknowledge what you did because, you know, sometimes people come to you and say, please forgive me if I've done anything wrong to you. That really is not. It's not really asking for forgiveness because... You're just saying it for the sake of saying it. You don't really mean it. When, when you really ask for forgiveness and you know why you're asking for forgiveness, that is powerful and meaningful. So I'm not saying you just go to anybody and just say, please, 
Julia, forgive me. Forgive me, Elsie. Forgive me, Jovan. Because, you know, that, that doesn't really mean, mean anything. It's like saying to anyone, I love you, I love you, I love you. It doesn't mean anything, you know. But if you really say it because you really mean it, then it has a powerful effect. But I, I think our life as Christians should be one of forgiving and asking for forgiveness. That really is our testimony. And as I was doing this, I was thinking of, you know, of, of there's sometimes, you know, you, you see preachers and you think, oh, wow, wow, that person is amazing, you know. Usually, I, I, the, the people that I think, wow, they're amazing, they tend to be, you know, a lot older than me because of everything they live. You just think, wow, they, wow, they did that, that's amazing. And I remember listening to a preacher, which I thought, wow, I want to be like that man. That person is amazing. And, and the first thing that person said, as you know, he was starting to, to, to give his introduction to the preaching, he said, please, please do not, do not think that you want to be like me. I am the man with the most faults. And he really meant it. Like he really, you know, he wasn't just saying it for the sake of saying it, but I think he really understood as a, as a human being, he acknowledges his mistakes, but he's a righteous man. He's a righteous man, but he, he understands. I think if we have, if we want to follow someone, we want to be like someone, we need to look at Jesus. We need to look at this mirror to really follow and do the right thing all the time. Uh, and the last thing um, we need to do is we need to accept this gift, his gift as the son of God. That is, I think, one of the important things that I, I want us to take with us today. Accept Jesus and his gift. A gift, it's something that is given freely. A gift is not something that you demand. A gift is not something that you, you just, um, you do something to get. A gift is just given to you freely. And Jesus has given us the best gift ever. The best gift was his death on the cross. And it's not, and, and accepting that gift really is not just saying, okay, Jesus, today I accept you as my Lord and Savior, amen. I, I believe there is power in that prayer. I believe that, you know, that prayer may be the beginning of something that God wants to do in your life. And it's, and, it, and I think that prayer, that the truthness of that prayer doesn't necessarily have to happen in church. It can happen at any place. You can be on the bus and have that sense that, Jesus, I need to accept that gift. I need, because the, the only time when you really realize that you need, that you need to accept that gift is when you're confronted with your own life. Like, like I said, the Bible is like a mirror. When you look at yourself on that mirror and you see all the messed up things that you have in you, when you see all the things that need to be changed and cleansed and washed. I think that it, there is so powerful the words that the scripture uses about cleansing our lives, because I think, you know, when we have that encounter with Jesus, I think we do acknowledge and we understand that we need to be cleansed, that we, like having a shower, that we need to be washed by that precious blood that changes and transforms us and gives us the opportunity to be a new creature, a new creation in Christ. And, and when we have that understanding, something really changes in our lives and we really are not the same. Yes, we might make mistakes again. Yes, we might, you know, do things not the right way again, but we have that 
hard to ask for forgiveness, to forgive, to be humble, to be loving, to be caring, to, and, and yeah, in the midst of all of that, there's still, you know, our, our human nature to be selfish and sometimes to be jealous and sometimes to be angry and sometimes not to do the right thing when we know what the right thing is. And we are fighting, we're constantly fighting, but with Christ on our side, it, things just get easier. Well, because then you at least know what the right thing to do, what you, what you should do, even if your flesh makes you do the wrong thing. Then you, because Christ lives in you, you choose to do the right thing. You choose to forgive, you choose to ask for forgiveness, you choose to do the right thing. So I think, I think one, of the, one of the things that we can take from the, these past sessions that we've been doing, you know, of Jesus saying, say, saying who he is, it's that he, all of those things are for us, as, are for us to be able to, first of all, identify ourselves with him, for us to learn that there is another way with Jesus, because whilst we live here on this earth, and, whilst, and, and even when we accept Jesus' gift as our Lord and Savior, it doesn't make things better. We still live in a broken world. The, the world around us doesn't change. The world inside of us changes. The world inside of us, our heart changes. And because of this, then we're able to see the world in a different light. The world around us is still messed up. The world around us is still broken. The world around us is still full of many, many difficult and hurtful things. But because the world inside us has changed, because Jesus really has come and been the Lord of our lives, then things can have a different perspective. Then I can have that life that Jesus promised, that life of abundance as he has promised. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's, um, let's pray and let's ask God. So I'm, I'm going to um, lead us all in a prayer because I don't want us to be like these religious leaders who did even everything perfectly, yet they missed the point, who did everything righteous, but yet they did not believe. Lord Jesus, we are here this morning, and Lord, you've spoken to us in your word. You are the Son of God, Jesus. We acknowledge you. We believe in you. But today, Lord, we do not want to be like the Pharisees or the Sadducees or these religious leaders who, who wanted to do the best for God, who loving God, missed the whole point and when you came when the savior came when the messiah came they didn't recognize you lord father if we've been doing things um, as religious in a religious way lord father forgive us today and help us lord to do things with love to do things with kindness to do things with truth to do things knowing lord that we're doing it unto you we're doing it for you lord Father, I ask you today, Lord, that you cleanse us, Father. Cleanse us, cleanse us from all evil thoughts in our hearts and in our minds. Cleanse us for all the, the rubbish that sometimes we hear or, or that we see, even when we don't want to because maybe we're going out or because just because this world is so broken, Lord. There's so many things that sometimes affect us in our hearts and in our minds and in our thoughts, Lord. So today, with your precious, precious blood, we ask you to cleanse us, Lord. And Father, we do not want to be afraid, not knowing that we are your children. 
because your children hear your voice, because your children hear your voice and follow your commands. And so today, Father, we come in assurance knowing that you have called us, that you have a, a purpose, that you have a destiny with us, us and our families and our children and our grandchildren and our future generations, Lord. Father, today we thank you, Lord, because me and my household, we will be saved. Me and my household, we will serve the Lord, Lord. And we trust in your promises and we trust on the things that you've spoken to us, Lord. And we thank you, Father. And we pray, Lord, as a church, that we will see you bringing more people into the kingdom, that you help us, Lord. I, I thank you, Father, because every member is so important in this work, Lord. I thank you because we have these members in the church who are so welcoming. We have members in the church who have wisdom. We have members in the church who are just like parents to, to other people. We have members in our church who are caring, who have hospitality. Lord, I just thank you, Father, because every member of the church, of your church, Lord, brings something new. And I pray that this week will be a week where your word will really be a mirror into their lives, Lord, where they will see Father, not just the things that they need to change, but they will see what you see in them, that they will see how you want them to be seen, Lord. I really pray that this week will be a blessing where you take away the veil and they will walk into the promises and the future that you have called them to walk on, Lord. Father, I thank you and I bless them, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's, let's um, worship the Lord, please. 